Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So I do feel that in a lot of teams that I talk to where it's just like, we're just treading water. No one ever taught us the backstroke. So we are literally dog paddling across Lake Michigan and it's really exhausting. And they're like, swimming sucks. If you learn to do the butterfly, it's not so bad. But if you're doing dog paddling, it's not great. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. We're still searching. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rodney Evans. The search, she continues. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. On today's episode, we're going to talk about The Hangover. The working from home and not the good kind fatigue that has set in across the land. But before we get in our feelings, let's do a check-in round. Let's do a check-in round. Okay, we do a check-in round because it makes us present and connected and forget about all our troubles and just be here. (laughs) And when Aaron wrote this check-in question, I literally lolled. So here it is. Question for today is, why are you so tired? Why, Aaron? Why are you so I'm gonna, tired? I'm bringing this one into the workplace. I like it a lot. I am so tired. Why am I so tired? Two reasons. Number one, just like the low level anxiety of being in culture right now is mm-hmm. getting to me. Like just yeah. like the low grade worry about the burning planet is, you know, even though I am quite privileged and and able to like sometimes forget about it, I just, it's just like edging me out. So that's one reason. And then the second is, I cannot like a like a freaking 10 year old at God, a slumber you're party. I'm such a child with this. I cannot get myself to go to bed at a reasonable to hour. To bed. I know. Oh I know. God. I know. Crazy. I could write it down. I could promise myself I can set like a timer. But then, like last night, for example, I went upstairs at like 10 o'clock. I was like, this is the night that I'm going to shut it down. And 12.06, I'm on my phone in bed being like, you're a piece of shit. No phones in bed, bro. No phones in bed. (laughs) So yeah, that's why I'm tired. I'm so tired because of those two things. What about you? Why are you so tired? (laughs) Because global worry and lack of discipline. Fun fact, everyone, Aaron has a tattoo that says discipline. Maybe he should just look at his tattoo at 10 p.m. when he's not. It's too dark to see it. (laughs) Use the light of your phone. (laughs) (laughs) I am so tired because the cycle of worry and boredom is is doing me in i am Mm -hmm. alternately like stimulated by all of the crises unfolding around us every minute of the day and then immediately like right but like it's 6 p.m and i don't have anything actually to do until tomorrow (laughs) uh Yeah. And there have been times in my life where I found boredom to be quite refreshing because I'm Mm -hmm. generally overstimulated and too much travel and all the things. 
But it's getting to the point right now where the boredom feels a bit isolating. And so I think the that cycle of like adrenaline and then lull is just yeah. exhausting. Yeah, doom scrolling and then staring at the wall is not like a great combination. <laughs> it's not. I could pretty much take a nap like anytime. Like I could put my head down right now next to this microphone and be like, night, night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're fucking tired. All right. All right. Okay, so today's topic is, you know, aptly dubbed The Hangover. And I guess I just want to start by asking you, you know, why this topic? Why now? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What's going on? So I brought this topic up today because I think that in our lives, many of us are noticing that we are feeling tired and maybe burnt out and maybe exhausted and maybe just like, but At work, what I'm noticing on teams is I don't see a level of collective recognition that that's happening. And I see a lot of good people who are just trying to muscle through it and kind of like go through the motions. And just because they're teams that I know, I noticed the difference between six months ago, what their vibe was and what their vibe is today. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought it was worth unpacking Spoiler alert, I don't really have answers yet for this, but I think we're we're in this trough for the foreseeable future, and I'm seeing this everywhere, and so I'm like, maybe we should think about it. Yeah, that's so, so good. And I, it's funny, I think the, one of my big hangups forever with leadership and with, like, team camaraderie and, you know, togetherness has always been, like, when do you kind of fake it? till you make it and like kind of keep on a happy face and keep on keeping on and don't bring your shit into the classroom. And then when do you like go vulnerable and go real and, and be authentic. And, and I think early in my career, I was like, you know, never show weakness kind of guy. And now I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't get me as much mileage as it used to. There is real value in just being real with folks and being together in what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, you don't just want to be like moping all the time with everybody. So, so it, I don't know. I still find that my barometer on like where to, where to show up is a little bit flopping around, you know? Yeah. And it's like early on, I think it was more evident because it felt like, okay, there's a lot to figure out here. And there are a lot of people who are in some sort of immediate crisis in terms of illness or childcare or family members or logistics or whatever. So it was like, we had a we had a long runway there of yeah. actual problems to solve. So we sort of knew how to show up to those with vulnerability and be like, mm-hmm. what do you need? How can yep. we be for ourselves too? Okay, what do I need to like get through this? But now it's like, For many of us, not everyone, especially with the school year starting, but for many of us, we're kind of like in this routine that is just a shit sandwich. And so it's like, what what is the work to be done in that? Because it's like, how are you? I'm fucking tired. How are you? Also Mm -hmm. fucking tired. Should we do this meeting? And what do you think? I mean, just sort of diagnostically, if you look at all the different variables that have changed in our work lives and our home lives, what do you think is most contributing to the fatigue Is there a world, for example, where we all work from home, but we're not exhausted, Mm. minus the pandemic? What's really going on? I'm curious what you see, like, as the driving kind of irritants here. Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind, and and maybe you can add to this riff list. One is the thing everybody is writing about and talking about is lack of boundaries. 
Mm-hmm. So certainly I think companies that have been doing remote work for longer and are more accustomed to it, people are just better able to and more skilled at setting boundaries. I also think that setting boundaries was a lot easier when we had shit to do and places to go. It was a lot easier for me to <laughs> sign off because I was like, yo, I got drinks in 20 minutes. I got to change. Then now where it's like, well, I mean, I have to walk the dog. So, but then, you know, when I come home and there are 15 Slack notifications, I'm like, what else do I have to do but look at these right now? I don't have plans till Thursday, (laughs) you know? So I think that's part of it. I I certainly think a lot of of ink is being spilled on the boundary thing. I think isolation, just generally, I think whether you're alone or you're with family or whatever, there's just a level of isolation that is new for us as human beings. And the way that I see that manifesting at work is in, in two ways that are really obvious. One is I think we just have less data like with each other because we have so many fewer informal interactions during the day. Yeah. And so yeah. I think I see a lot of people sort of overemphasizing like small slights or specific interactions or sort of because they don't have more. If you and I talked all day, every day in the office, it's very different than if I only see you once a week and you say one thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And for the rest of the week, I'm like, God, he's such an asshole. And then- The other piece that I'm seeing a lot is in teams that didn't have a super solid foundation going Mm -hmm. into this, either because they were new or they were dysfunctional or they had a lot of mistrust to begin with. Everything that's going into the cracks in those foundations is bad now. (laughs) It's just like, this person's lazy, this person's bad, this person's cynical, this person's unhelpful, this person's an underperformer, this person, like, it's like in the absence of information, anything that's rock solid is like, much worse than it actually is in terms of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And I guess, yeah, it's sort of like when you combine that fact that we had problems going in and I think, I mean, we can all agree, right? Like we, we wrote brave new work. We were talking about bureaucracy and problems at work well before we had a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, and the idea was that like there were tensions to be solved. Right. So now you're like pushing those into a place where they're kind of in the crucible. Um, Of course, that's going to be, you know, blowing things out of proportion. And then I think the last like fourth layer of the cake that I would add is we're not doing this right. Mm -hmm. So not only are we working remotely, not only are we exacerbating tensions that we had, et cetera, but we're also just doing it in a way that's very on the on average, that's very like unsophisticated. Yes. So, you know, if you're ju- if you just went from traditional work to the eight hour, you know, Zoom fatigue kind of marathon every day, and that's just work now. And there's been like no movement towards better agreements. There's been no movement towards like better systems. There's been no movement towards, you know, working asynchronously and writing things down. Like all our previous episodes have talked about, if you haven't done any of that work, then not only are you kind of running this marathon, but you're like running it in a one-legged race. Like yes. you're you're literally like tying yourself up and then trying to play the game. And so I think that is also kind of burning us out. And what's really frustrating to me about that, and I think frustrating to a lot of other companies that work remote first, is that I think the remoteness is maybe getting the bad rap for right. just actually doing that it badly. so mad because yeah. that's not actually the problem. That's not what's happening. You know, right. and, and so I think it's a recipe problem. And of course, because of all these other constraints and all these other pressures, the space, the like emotional and literal temporal space to fix that stuff is often not there. 
Yeah. So it's that whole thing where my to-do list gets too long and people are like, hey, you should give some of that away or try to stop doing some of that stuff. Well, I don't have any time for that. I'm just trying to chip away at this massive oak tree. So I do feel that in a lot of teams that I talk to where it's just like, we're just treading water. No one ever taught us the backstroke. So we are literally dog paddling across Lake Michigan and it's really exhausting. And they're like, swimming sucks. If you learn to do the butterfly, it's not so bad. But if you're doing dog paddling, it's not great. Right, right. And the thing that I think early in the pandemic appeared to be the remedy, which was like Zoom happy hours or 15 minute (laughs) coffee catch ups, blah, blah, blah. Now all of us are like, oh my God, if I have to get on one more Zoom meeting just to bullshit with you because I just can't. I had this epiphany when my best friend was here this summer and she was describing to me a very frustrating working situation. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one out and you can, you can tell me if you think this is crazy because this is definitely like conspiracy theory. But I was saying, we were talking about managers who have not historically managed remote teams and who are doing the things that all of us have read about and maybe have seen firsthand of doing a lot of checking. And a lot of, I need a report on this. I need status. I need blah. We're going to do this meeting so I can check. And and people being like, we didn't do any of this stuff when we were in the office together. Right, right. And part of that, so I, to me, when this all started and we saw those kinds of stories cropping up, I was like, oh, these people have no self-control and they're just paranoid and they have never done this before. And so they're reverting to fear-based yeah. styles management. Flailing. But now my new theory is... <laughs> In a lot of companies, middle managers don't have a lot of their own work to do to make things and to create things. They do a lot of checking of other people's work, which they're still doing. And then they do a lot of packaging and performing. Yes. And my theory is that in a lot of instances in remote work, the theater is closed. They're not being asked to come to the all-day meeting and put on a show in the barn for the big boss. And so now they don't know what the fuck to do. They definitely don't want to lose their jobs. And so they're directing all of their energy to checking and reporting Mm -hmm. and rehearsing for the show that is actually not coming. And to me, what that is a signal of, if that is true, is they should get different jobs or actually try to make something that's useful or contribute in some way to something that delivers value to their customers. But I think in practice, what's happening is not that reflection and instead a reflection that's, I'm going to create a new metrics dashboard. But -hmm. what that requires is that every team I manage spends 30 hours this week gathering data that no one's ever asked for (laughs) in history and that we maybe don't even need. Yeah. And if you just assume that the average corporation has 11 layers and ought to have eight, let's say, or seven, yeah, just as an example, you are literally talking about four layers of management in every company you can think of that is like, what do I do now? Yeah, exactly. And looming economic factors, you add that thing in stark relief. I imagine that there are a lot of people like my best friend's person that she was describing that have that at the beginning of this actually found themselves with a lot more time because they were like, where all my meetings went. Whoa. Yeah. And now, and so they like made up a new job and rather Mm -hmm. than making up a job where they were like, how could I improve my team's way of working? Or like, how could I actually get my hands dirty in something? They're just Mm -hmm. like, how can I justify my existence? Let's see. And, and I think the more empathetic take is, and I think we all, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think we all do this is when things are out of control, we look for a place where totally. we can have control. 
And so I have found myself recently doing things like arranging the flossers so that they're very neat and orderly in the bathroom. And you'll just mindlessly be like, what can I put in order? What can I control? And so I can see how in the midst of a lot of economic insecurity and emotional insecurity, people could be like, I'm just going to check on a bunch of stuff because I can. Right. And that feels good. It feels like I'm, I'm keeping the train on the tracks. Right. And interestingly, and I think this goes to the burnout conversation, it goes to the boundaries conversation, it goes to this conversation, what we should do in order to not propagate an unhelpful cycle that we're in is the thing that is actually counterintuitive. Right. So turn into the skid. When our, yeah, turn in exactly. So like when our bored minds at 5 p.m. see the slack ping, we should go for a walk instead. Right. Or we should get out a coloring book or we should pet our dogs, but we don't. We just double down on the thing that is already making us miserable. I've been really thinking because I went on vacation and of course, like I always do, had a very typical existential crisis and then came back and was like, what does it all mean? And in the two, in the 10 days since I've been back, I have spent a lot of time, a lot of my working hours actually reading and thinking Mm -hmm, and learning. mm -hmm which is what I should be doing. It's very good for my brain. And I am in a better, much better mood than I was when I was fully mired in responsiveness before I left for vacation. But it feels counterintuitive in the moment. Should I be diving deep into this topic that would be beneficial for me and my clients? Hmm, I don't know. Or should I just respond to this email? But when you turn into the skid, it is kind of amazing the new pathway that can be formed. It's it's definitely reminding me of that Seinfeld episode where George does the opposite of what his instinct is and his life goes amazingly well. <laughs> that is, that's literally what we all need to do. That's this moment. You know? That's this moment. Right. It's yeah. like when we think that the move is to open Twitter at 11 PM while we're laying in our bed, Shh. do the opposite of that, <laughs> Aaron. So speaking of doing the <laughs> Notice opposite. Notice how quickly he changes the topic. He's like, anyway, Let's just. This is not about me. We got to go. We got things to do. I know. Yeah, we got a break coming up. We got to keep moving. So no, but what I'm wondering is, based on what you just said, doing the opposite, doing the counterintuitive thing. Who do you think is successful at combating this right now? Is there such a thing? What does good look like right now? Is it? Is there? Where's the bar? You know. Yeah, I don't know. To be totally honest, and I would love to hear from people. P.S. Yes. I heard from so many of you after participatory governance, and it was delightful. I would love to hear from people what they're seeing and trying and it's working. I'm not seeing that much in the organizations that I work with that I would hold up as making people happy. They're effective. They're productive. Mm-hmm. But I would say mm-hmm. I'm noticing the slump. I would say for my own little teeny tiny project team as a microcosm of things, A couple of things are working well, I believe, for us. One is we are are spending more time together processing what we're seeing and sensing than we normally would. Mm. I think we're doing less just like assumption that we were all in the room and so we all got it. And we're doing more like what's going on here. And I think we find that energizing, but I also think that kind of sense-making connects us to each other in a way that's useful. Two is, and this is such a dumb thing, but I was thinking about this because I went to a yoga class yesterday and it's related, though I won't explain why because it's boring. I think we have to remember our sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So like 
We are funny people. We are around funny people. And in the course of burnout, it's really easy to just stop making jokes, posting gifts, laughing, having lightheartedness and laughing. And, you know, truly is the best medicine. And the last thing I would say is just personally, I'm spending more time on things that require thought and depth and reading and writing, which seems to be some sort of salve for the Zoom burnout. And I am spending time on my own team's way of working. And like mm-hmm. I did a bunch of my own workflow stuff this week that is really good. And I have thought I've thought more recently about how we're connecting and what our charter says and how we're dividing things up. And just, you know, we don't we don't need that as much as a lot of teams we work with because yeah. we have really good practice. But to your point about reorganizing the flosses, that feels very much like something that we can control because there are three of us and we can just decide. Whereas mm-hmm. things that are happening in the larger world, I really don't know how yeah, to shift this right now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I like those a lot. I think I would add hmm, probably two things. One counterintuitively, again, when you're overwhelmed, when you're kind of emotionally racked, when things are bad, is actually a good time to start something new. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a work thing, could be an anything thing, but just pick a new hobby, pick a new skill, pick a new book, start a new company, do something new, because yeah. the newness is invigorating, I think. It and it'll also force you to get your shit together. Because if you decide that suddenly you're doing a new thing, you have to make room for it. And the way you make room for it is by getting rid of needless, stupid stuff that you do. Right. If you have your head screwed on straight, don't just work an 80 hour week. Right. So, but really force yourself to, to let go of some things and the newness is good for that. And the other one that I'm, that I think is super counterintuitive and possibly detrimental to (laughs) performance, but is very helpful for like emotional resiliency and sustainability is, and I've been doing this is showing up to conversations or meetings or moments that are supposed to be about something that have a format, that have a direction, that have a focus, and just tuning in to like, does this person want to talk about something else? Does this group want to do something else? And just letting it happen and not feeling guilty about it and just letting things roll. And I know that you and I personally have had at least two or three meetings in the last month or two where we jump on and we blow the whole hour on bullshit. And I leave feeling really good. Yeah. I leave feeling recharged and refreshed rather than just on to the next fucking thing, you know? Right. Like, Um, so we didn't do our podcast action meeting the way we were supposed to. So what? And I think like- We both feel better on a Monday morning. That's worth something real. Yeah. And I think it's weird to say that as the people that are out there in the world advocating for like, have a meeting structure, (laughs) have a way of working that's explicit, et cetera. But again, wartime and peacetime are just two different things. And I do think that- if you have one, if you know what it is, if you know what it can do for you, then you can choose to turn it off. It's yeah. the whole learn the scales and play jazz thing. Exactly. And like, we know action meetings backward and forward. We know what they can do for us. And if we don't want that today, we can choose to not have it. Like dogma is dangerous. Right. So that's my second little tidbit. I think that's really smart. And I just read something. I wish I had it in my notebook. This is the other thing I've been doing is actually learning stuff. (laughs) So fun. So good for my brain to learn things. But for real, right now, there is more online blah, blah, content, et cetera, than there ever has been in the history of the universe that's easily accessible. (laughs) And for the most part, I've just been like, fuck that. I don't want to look at another screen for another hour. But lately... I've been where something seems really interesting to me, like going to your book panel and making fun of you. It's been really worth it. And so I did actually find the thing that I wanted to, 
I went to a thing that Marcus Buckingham, who I think is the shiznit, did. And he was talking about emotional resilience and the thing that he was talking about that now I can't find in my notes. You have to do things cyclically. You have to Mm. sprint and recover. That is how emotional resiliency works. And so I think for, to your exact point, for us to recognize that sometimes we're in the sprint and sometimes you and I bullshitting is the recovery period. And that is okay given what is happening all around all of us right now. (laughs) There is a season turn, turn, turn. This might be the first musical podcast. Yeah, it might. Well, definitely not Next the first, week, but the, maybe the first one we release. Yeah, no, I'm always thinking of song lyrics when you say things. It's it's if I sung every time that I thought of one, it would be a show full of singing. I appreciate that. I feel like that indicates that I narrate lyrically. And I will <laughs> take it. I'll take it. Take it. Okay, take it so I have a question. It. I have a question. Aaron, okay. Calling me. What do you say about where we are in this thing? So... My husband is on a text chain with people and they're Mm -hmm. all like, we're going back. We're going back to working (laughs) in the office. This is just a blip on the radar and we're going back. And then you and I talk to people in our world who we know who are like, we're giving up our lease, who are CEOs. Right. Are we going back? What what do you think about where we're at and the future? Yeah. Do we just have to figure out how to make this work forever? (laughs) Well, I think the, the big question hiding in that one is what is the this? What's the thisness that we're talking about? Because mm. I do think materially and forevermore, 40 hours a week in the office, standard default for companies is probably gone. I just, I don't I see, I don't see a way that new companies being born in this era, companies that have made the shift, companies that have seen the value in savings are going to just give that up and be like, ah, it's all right. Let's spend $10 million a year on real estate. And And what's funny and scary about it is, I don't think it's necessarily for the right reasons. I think there are right reasons to make that call. But I think it's actually I think it's actually the economic OS still doing what it does, which is just saying, how do we save a buck? And And we survived without it. We were productive without it. So why would we spend the money? Exactly. I just think that's the the long and short of it is extractive capitalism never fails to find a dollar. And so the dollars will be found. So I think in businesses where you have to be in person, that's going to come back. There's going to be bounce back there. I think in places where you just have extremely dogmatic leadership, there will be bounce back. But I think any company that is less than 10 years old from here on out is going to have a blended schedule at worst and a totally remote ideology at best. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true. But I think the thisness of like where we're at in this moment is a slightly different conversation because the the anxiety and the uncertainty and all the other connections with pandemic that are going on, I see us at the one third to one half mark. Ugh. Like real so talk. I, I no, know. I, it's just, I don't disagree with you. I just don't like to actually acknowledge it out loud. I know. Well, I think it's important to acknowledge it so that we can make the changes that we need to make to survive the next nine months. Yeah. Because if you're running and someone's like, it's almost over, push it. You're like, all right, I'll push it. But if you're running and you're like, where am I in the marathon? They're like mile 10. You're like, oh, okay. And I think that's where we're at is we all have to come to terms with the fact that the average pandemic lasts 18 months to two years. The, the, panacea of a vaccine that people talk about 
is not going to play out the way they think it will. It's not going to be an overnight solution. We're not that close either in terms of actual distribution of something like that. Yeah. So just know that there might be up to six to 12 more months of this before we really start to see what was temporary and what is permanent. Mm -hmm. And that just means whatever you need to change, now would be a good time to start changing it. Mm -hmm. To just be with that and be Mm -hmm. able to roll with that. And, and it makes me tired even saying it. I have a real heaviness in my gut when yeah. you say it. I'm just like, oh. But uh. then also there is a part of me because of my, you know, buoyancy as a human being that's like, <laughs> you know what? I am going to hire this person to do this thing and I'm going to do this thing and whatever. Because yeah. I, I had this conversation recently with my mom, actually. None of us can afford psychologically to wait for right. this to change. Right. We, we need to figure out what the things are that are going to bring us enough joy, enough satisfaction, enough engagement, enough connection, enough productivity to live like this indefinitely. Yeah, I think that's right. I also think, and this has always been mind blowing to me, it's not news, it's not exciting, but like, go outside. Go outside. And as someone that literally lives at a park, but works in technology all day with, you know, Zoom and every other freaking thing. It is baffling to me how little I go outside some really? days. And then I'll do it and I'll be like, oh, yeah, dummy. Like, yeah. as soon as you go out and touch a tree, you're like, oh, oh thank God. Maybe yeah. things will be okay, you know? Yeah. So I do think part of it is maybe just changing the the location of the work. And I have this, I've talked about this before on the show, but I have this thing about the walk and talk, but I think it's actually Google, bigger than are that. are you listening? I think it's bigger than that. I actually okay. think that the way this transforms is that we figure out ways to be outside and at work. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen I mean, like- speaking directly to my heart right now. Yes, exactly. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen like the laptop- over the neck hang stand that Steve Wozniak uses or some of the other stuff. But I'm just thinking this is the moment for Google glasses, right? Right. This is the moment where it says, how can I take my work to the park, to the hiking trail and actually be working Mm -hmm. and actually be productive? Not to say that I don't also want to have outdoor time that is free and separate of that because I do. But I just think if I took eight hours inside and turned it into four hours inside and four hours outside and then went for a hike, Mm -hmm. I would be so much more sustainable. And for all of our dear friends down in like Houston and places that are just hot as hell, I feel you. I understand that's not always an option, but being outside when and how you can is a game changer. I think that is a great place to draw this to a close. If you love us as much as we love you, please leave us a review or forward our show to somebody or send us an email Tell us how you're coping and what your team is doing that is crushing it. And we will share that information in a future episode. That would be awesome. As always, quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we get to help organizations around the world change the way they work and go remote and try to do it in a sustainable way. <laughs> and you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. Lots of you have been doing that. We love it. Do it more. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.
Thank you.